Welcome to Addressing Alaskans, where we feature community conversations around South Central Alaska. Join us on Alaska Public Media as we travel throughout our community and listen to local groups discuss what matters to them. With state politicians facing off over Governor Mike Dunleavy's recent budget vetoes, an economist at the University of Alaska Anchorage says the cuts could do more harm to an already delicate financial situation. Musin Gutabi, an associate professor of economics at UAA and a member of the Institute of Social and Economic Research, or ICER, spoke to members of the Anchorage Chamber of Commerce on Monday and explained how the governor's vetoes would affect Alaska's economy. What I would like to do today is just walk you through the short-term economic impacts of the vetoes on the Alaska economy. Um, whenever I get asked about the short-term effects, I always hesitate because I, I genuinely don't think that the short-term is what we should be worried about. We should be worried about long-term consequences of any decision. Um, but the long-term effects are much more difficult to assess than the short-term ones, and we have tools that can tell us quite a bit about what can potentially happen in the short term from an economy if you were to remove money from it. And so what I'm going to do is tell you a little bit about the distribution of the cuts. And when I say cuts here, all of this presentation is focused solely on the vetoes. We're not going to be talking about the cuts that were made by the legislature. And I'm not going to be talking about the dividends specifically. I'm more than happy to answer questions about them. Uh, I will specifically focus on the vetoes, their impacts on the economy, and what they potentially do to the recession or the recovery that we're in right now. And then I'll provide some thoughts about, really, these are more question marks about what are some of the consequences in the medium to long run if some of these cuts were to hold. And those are in regards to migration, education, the state of the university and economic development. Most of you know much more about economic development than I do, and you're in much better position to assess what are the consequences of some of these cuts on your ability to hire, retain workers, and attract capital. So everything that I will be discussing is based on a short brief that Nolan Clauda and I put together. Nolan is uh, the executive director at the Center for Economic Development at UAA. And both this presentation and the brief should be on the ICER website, I believe, this afternoon or right now. Um, so when we added up the vetoes, we come up to a different number than the one that's been reported. We come up to $409 million. We can't really reconcile the discrepancy. We're going to go with the $409 million. As you know, there are basically a few categories that stand out in terms of distribution of the cuts. About 31% of that $409 million is a cut to the university of the sum of $130 million. We lumped a few categories together just for ease of analysis. Medicaid and me mental health come in second at about 20%. And then we have school bond reimbursements that are about 12% of that total. So if you were to sum up these three categories, they're about 64% of the overall amount that's been vetoed. So in case you decide to leave or you're not interested in the rest of the presentation, this is basically what I'm going to tell you. If we look at these cuts in the short run, they basically result in a little more than 4,000 jobs lost in the short run. And 
it becomes fairly clear to see, as I'll show you, that it would be very, very unlikely for these 4,000 jobs lost to not push us back into recession. And I'll explain why that's the case. And then, of course, as I've said at the beginning, there are very important long-term considerations that unfortunately we can't pinpoint. I can't tell you numbers, dollars and cents, but these are things that obviously matter and we all think about. So I don't know how well you can see that, but this is just the distribution of the cuts. That's the $409 million at the very right of that graph. And as you can see, what we've tried to do is basically, again, for ease of analysis, put them into buckets that are similar enough that ease some of the analysis. And in, all, in, in the all other category, those are uh, cuts to nonprofits, cuts to public radio, cuts to a lot of uh, uh, um, agencies, if you will, or uh, uh, organizations that we basically lump together again just for ease of analysis. So we use an input-output model. Um, it's a model that's heavily used in assessing short-term consequences of economic activity, whether that be construction projects or uh, uh, cuts in government spending. What you see before you there are essentially both the direct employment losses from each of those buckets that I described, as well as the total employment losses. When I say direct employment losses, what I mean are basically layoffs, if you will, that stem directly from reducing that spending. For example, the university is facing a $130 million cut that translates into 1,300 layoffs. So those are direct effects. Those are people that will lose their jobs. But of course, as we know, layoffs in general or cuts in income result in reductions in spending, which result in less economic activity. So what we do is we follow the money throughout the economy, and we basically say, what are the indirect and induced effects from these reductions, meaning, as a result of a layoff of a teacher or of a professor or of an administrator, that person is going to start spending less money at Moose's Tooth. What are the consequences on Moose's Tooth's uh, 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 employees? So on and so forth. And so the total employment losses basically account for that first round of layoffs as well as any reductions in purchases by the businesses affected, as well as any reductions in spending by the individuals that are affected. And when you add all of that up, you basically are looking at about 4,200 jobs that are being removed from the economy. So I know that there is a lot there, but I thought that really the, the best way to think about is that a big number? Is that a small number? Should we care about the fact that, even if you believe me, that 4,000 jobs are being removed from the economy? So as you know, a little bit of background. So everything that you see in green basically represents months, straight months of employment declines that Alaska experienced. So between October 2015 and October 2018, Alaska experienced 36, yes, 36 straight months of employment decline. So that's year over year. During that span, the state lost a little more than 12,000 jobs, okay? So since October 2018, the economy has turned the corner and we've started gaining jobs. So right now, we are at basically eight straight months of employment gains. 
So what you see in blue are the employment gains. So in that eight month span, what we've experienced is basically the economy in those eight months is averaging about a little more than 1,300 jobs more in that eight month span than it did in the previous uh, year in that same eight month span. So we're comparing month to month over year. So for example, I'm comparing October 2019 to October 2018 or, uh, April 2019 to April 2018. So what, 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 what the takeaway is from that graph, yes, the economy has started its recovery. It is far away from getting back all the jobs that were lost. So right now, eight straight months, 1,300 jobs on average, higher than the same period last year. But when you compare May of 2019 to May of 2015, the economy is about 11,000 jobs, uh, has about 11,000 fewer jobs than it did in May 2015. So the point there is, yes, there are really good things out there. The growth is not near enough to offset the losses that we've experienced, and it's still fairly modest when we're talking about actual growth. So, this is essentially the summary of what I was telling you. And that last bullet is really important. So there is a big difference between the end of a recession and a full employment recovery. The end of a recession, based on textbook definitions, is two straight quarters of economic growth. We can say that the recession has ended because we've had eight straight months of employment gains we are very far away from a full employment recovery because again, the level of employment as of May of 2019 is considerably lower than it was in May of 2015. So that's essentially to me, the takeaway of the state of the economy right now. So that's ignoring the cuts, ignore, ignoring budgetary issues, and just simply focusing on what is the current state of the economy and then how prepared is it to potentially absorb the shock that will stem from these cuts? And so this is a little exercise that I put together and I posted this on Twitter last week or the week before, because I really was interested in this idea of, of how strong is the economy actually? So what you see is the bars in blue are employment gains in each of the months in the last eight months relative to that same period in 2018. And then the gray bar shows you the average employment gain over again, that same period in, 20, in 2018. So what does that actually tell us? It tells us that we've basically averaged about 1,300 jobs more in the last eight months than last year. UA cuts alone total 1,300 jobs. So from a macroeconomic standpoint, that basically tells us that just the UA cuts cancel out any gains that are coming in from other sectors of the economy. So you have the 1,300 gains in, in employment from construction activity in Fairbanks, from a little bit of retail recovery from oil and gas. So those are gains. And then those are basically being canceled out by just UA cuts. So 
if, for example, the cuts go through, my understanding, and this is well above my pay grade, I don't know what university is going to do. As of August, those 1,300 jobs lost could materialize. So as soon as August or September, the growth essentially could be zero. So just UA. Now, if we use the numbers that I showed you a little while ago, and we actually account for all the losses that will stem from all the cuts, and then include for their indirect and induced effects, what we conclude is basically the economy-wide losses are going to be close to 3,000 jobs. Now, that makes it fairly clear again, and that gets back to that original bullet point, that we essentially dip back into recession. For that not to happen, that in this case being for the economy to not dip back into recession, there needs to be almost 4,000 jobs gained from other sectors of the economy. The last time the Alaska economy grew at anywhere close to 4,000 jobs in a month-over-month -month basis was May of 2014. So we're in July of 2019. So that basically summarizes what that graph tells you. So again, for me, it's fairly clear that, yes, the economy has come out of a recession. The employment gains have been very, very modest. It's a fragile recovery. Cuts to the university alone as a, an, an illustration showcase that basically that pushes it to zero and then any more cuts or accounting for indirect and induced losses make it very clear that the employment losses are going to exceed any employment gains that are happening from other sectors. So that's the short run effect, right? And so that's, to me, fairly straightforward. It's a vanilla analysis that really doesn't get into the weeds, kind of just looks at at face value, what are these cuts? What do they actually mean? Let's look at how well the economy's been doing and let's uh, uh, do the, the, uh, the algebra, if you will. Now, there are some long-term considerations that are really important. And I think that this matters quite a bit. When I get asked about, well, how is this recession different or what is the recession that will occur as a result of the cuts different than the oil-driven recession? There are some really important considerations that are worth thinking about. One that gets overlooked quite a bit is that the share of non-resident employees in oil and gas is fairly high. And in my estimation, that was one of the reasons why the previous recession felt relatively mild. While it was Alaska's longest recession, it was not its deepest. And I think this time around, we're looking at a situation where basically the vast majority of individuals affected are Alaska residents, and therefore we should feel the consequences of this recession. And then the other thing that's really important is that when Whenever this conversation starts, a pushback that I typically receive is, well, this is really not fair because these people that are going to get laid off are just going to get hired elsewhere. And one is, as I've shown you, it's not like 
we're hiring 10,000 people a month. Two, the university cuts, for example, are gonna affect people that compete in national markets. And so the vast majority of those people essentially are gonna have to move because it's not like there are other jobs for them at other universities. We don't have 25 universities. And so it's not like they're gonna get absorbed by other companies. And so again, that's something to think about in terms of how does this actually play out? It can play out a lot of different ways, but it's really important to think again about what is the source of the recession, what are the consequences of that recession, and how are the affected people gonna react to this shock, if you will. And then I, I, I get asked quite a bit, I get emails saying, well, is this bad, is this good? Maybe this is good for the university. Again, well above my pay grade, I have no idea. But what we do know is there is very, very good economic research that shows the consequences of budget cuts on enrollment, on BA degrees, on completion rates. And this is one of the most comprehensive econometric studies that shows that a 10% cut essentially has these very large consequences when it comes to enrollment, when it comes to completion. And that obviously bleeds into labor force preparedness, into your ability to hire and retain workers. Again, you're in a much better position to think about what is the effect of the university on labor market preparedness and on your ability to hire. But again, these are consequences that may not play out in the next six months, but certainly ones that we can expect in the near future. And then brain drain gets a lot of attention, potentially rightfully so. And this is just a quote, this is not mine, this is from the Alaska Commission of Post-Secondary Education, and they make a couple of different points. The, a little more than 50% of all uh, college-bound high schoolers stay in state. And the point that matters here in terms of the labor market is that those kids that end up staying in state are considerably, or that end up going to college in state, I should say, are considerably more likely to remain in state post-graduation than somebody that went to Missouri State is to come back and work in Alaska. So again, this is a holistic view, if you will, of what does the labor market look like? What does preparedness look like? Uh, how do we hire talented, qualified individuals? And then I, I'm not gonna read the, these to you because you're the ones that fill out these surveys, um, but I found these really interesting. I've been in Alaska for seven years and I was really struck the first luncheon that I went to at an AEDC presentation as to how much attention uh, shortage of qualified labor force got. And so this basically, again, reiterates that point and makes it clear that there is this tension between the ability to hire qualified workers and now this pressure on producing set talent. I don't know how it plays out, but again, it's something that's worth thinking about as uh, we consider all the consequences. That's all I have for you. Reach out, tell me I'm an idiot, and uh, <laughs> anyway, have a good lunch. Thank you. Did you want to um, uh, yeah. Now we'll hear Gutabi take questions from the audience, read by Tim Thompson of the Alaska Chamber of Commerce. Here's Thompson. All right, 
Well, we'll just start with the first one here. So over the last several years, the jobs lost were primarily and overwhelmingly from the private sector, while the public sector was almost untouched. To provide long-term balance to Alaska's economy, isn't a cut to the public sector needed? Yeah, good question. Uh, we, we have, so the public sector as of January of 2019 is about 88% the size it was in January of 2015. So it's not the case that there have not been cuts in the public sector. Uh, I'm not advocating for either position. Um, what I'm basically telling you is cuts from private or public have negative consequences on the economy. And so a um, dollar is just a dollar. Uh, a retailer does not discriminate about whether the dollar comes from the public sector or the private sector. And so less money in the economy is going to have negative consequences. And so I'm certainly not in a position to give advice about what to cut or how to cut it. But I would have told you the same thing if you had told me that company X in the private sector is going to lay off, I don't know, a thousand workers. Right. Uh, some people have argued that having a balanced budget will uh, encourage private sector growth. Can you describe the ev evidence supporting this? And go ahead. Yeah, that's tricky. Um, I, it's, I, I'm assuming uh, the argument is companies are attracted to stability, and if you have a stable fiscal environment that will draw uh, economic activity, that needs to be balanced against if you have uncertainty stemming from a weakened education system, um, on balance, how do firms make decisions? And how do you weigh fiscal stability against um, uh, weakened university, weakened education system? Uh, companies make decisions along multiple dimensions. And I'm assuming all of you will say the same thing. And yeah. Uh, trade-offs, I suppose. Uh, do you have an estimate on the total current number of jobs in our economy? So what percentage would this? Yeah, so, so we, we, we have about 325,000 jobs. Uh, so just about. I mean, obviously, Alaska's economy is immensely seasonal. Uh, and so during the summer, relative to January, during the summer, the size of the labor market increases by about 15%. Um, so what we're talking about is a little more than 1%, essentially. So how much uh, economic uh, fallout would there be, um, uh, I'm trying to read this properly, out of the state is attributable to $1 PFD given out and spent. So where's the trade-off on that? So I'll, I'll quote you the numbers from our, so in 2016, we did this study, uh, uh, Matt Berman, Gunnar Knapp, and myself, on the short-term economic impact of the fiscal options, in which we looked at a host of fiscal options and then tried to estimate the economic consequences. And so essentially what we found is basically, $100 million or an additional $100 million in the size of the PFDs results in about 700 short-term jobs. Uh, a more recent study shows that that number is a little bit lower, uh, but essentially what you can expect, so think about it this way. Last year's PFDs were $1,600. This year's PFDs, if they're paid as using the statutory formula, will be $3,000. So that $1,400 basically will result in about 5,000 short-term jobs. A big caveat, and when I say short-term, I mean jobs that last about two to three months, 
typically in the retail sector. A big caveat there is that those jobs are only created if people actually go out and spend money. Um, again, there is quite a bit of uncertainty. How much of the normal spending patterns will actually hold? I have no idea. So uh, you were talking about the governor's, or excuse me, the administration's cuts, but what about the cuts already approved by the legislature? What, what yeah, addition uh, I mean, was that? I mean, of course, uh, the more money you take out of the economy, the worse it is. Um, uh, the bearer of bad news here. I mean, we, we've said it in our 2016 analysis, anything that you do to close the budget gap will have negative consequences on the state of the economy. And that's really important to remember, meaning every single option before us that takes money from somebody is going to have negative consequences on the economy. So if you tack on the 200 million to these 400 million, then that means even more negative pressure in the short run. Okay. So if the administration's budget passes, no veto override, then who benefits the most from this? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, per the governor, a few weeks ago, the state just doesn't have the money in the budget has uh, to be cut sooner or later. Do you agree or disagree? Can you repeat the question? So the governor says a few weeks ago, the state just doesn't have the money in the budget has uh, to be cut sooner or later. Uh, do you agree or disagree? I, I, I said, I think in March, when I, when I spoke to the legislature, you can frame the question as either a revenue problem, an expenditure problem, or a priority problem, and I think that that's still the case. And, and I think that people will have to decide which of those the state, which which of those problems the state has. What about uh, the loss? Well, it's this is probably more at the capital, but what about the loss in revenue from matching funds? Will this result in additional job losses? Definitely. I mean, there is there is a billion dollars at stake. Um, so, I mean, those losses could certainly exacerbate uh, the situation. All right. Um, I'll answer that one in a second. Um, how, do we, how do we outlast it if the legislature doesn't override? Not qualified. Okay. <laughs> That's a pay grade question, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. We already asked that one. Um, so was there anybody from the administration that reached out to ICER or did they ask about veto consequences before they did them that you're aware of? Not to me. Okay. I mean, there are other people at ICER, but yeah. Uh, are there any studies that show the economic impact of steep cuts in the mental health services? Yeah, I mean, there is, there is a big literature that shows how cuts to specific agencies reverberate and affect those agencies' abilities to do the work that they do. I mean, I can't name any off the top of my head, but yeah. So are we headed for a depression like we saw in the 1980s? Depression is a really strong word, and I mean, I always hesitate to, to use uh, that word. I, I think what's clear, and I, I, I think that it's fairly unambiguous, that this pushes us back into recession in the short run. Uh, I, I don't think that there is much debate about that because again, the recovery has been good, but it's been fragile. And the level of employment today is much lower than it was four years ago. Uh, and this puts additional pressure on the economy. That I can tell you, I don't know about the depression question. Okay. And then uh, I'll, I'll answer this one because the chamber has long held a top priority of balancing the state budget. Now that we see what that looks like, has the chamber amended its position? And I can tell you that that is not the case. Um, the chamber has 
mainly three, we have, well, we have four legislative priorities, but first is balance the budget, uh, have a sustainable budget, and then be looking at uh, revenue sources. And one that we've talked about before is POMB and talking about uh, tapping the dividend, or maybe there is some taxes. So at this point, it hasn't changed, but the question is, is, is this what it looks like? We're not sure. Um, our membership is probably divided on this. Um, it does, we've always pushed for a kind of a step down. Uh, someone told me earlier today, this is a step down. Um, I'm not sure if that's as aggressive as we necessarily, the chamber businesses would like to see, but uh, you know, we're still taking a look at that and we'll, we'll have more as we kind of watch what happens, especially for this week. So with that, are there any more questions? Oh, there you go, see, you ask and you shall receive. Uh, people close to the Dunleavy administration suggest um, that the goals of the vetoes are to drive both uh, the smartest Alaskans and the poorest Alaskans out of the state. Are these vetoes a good strategy to achieve either goal? I'm not sure. I don't think you need to answer that one. Sorry. I probably I, should have read that one before I, I actually said shaking my head. No, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All right. Um, so actually, this is, this is a great way to wrap it up. So what do we do now? Again, not qualified. <laughs> All right, with that, thank you, Ms. Hay. I appreciate it. Thank you. Addressing Alaskans is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Theme music is by Patrick Lee. The views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not reflect KSKA or its underwriters. To let us know about an upcoming community event that you would like to hear on Addressing Alaskans, go to our website at alaskapublic.org and click on Contact Us at the bottom of the page. Life Informed, this is Alaska Public Media.